0: Welcome to the Phoenix Wellness Coaching Series of podcasts with Jeanette Forder, created to help and guide you as a woman to discover yourself through the pivotal moments that matter in your life, helping you to find your purpose, power and voice through all those critical life stages. Hello, I'm Glenn Thompson. Good to have you along on this Phoenix Wellness podcast. I'll be your host, uh, guiding you and steering the ship through today on the podcast. And uh, back as usual, we've got Jeanette. Jeanette, how do we find you today?
1: Yeah, you find me good. Although it's been one of those days where I've kind of got up and been back to back meetings. Really good stuff. Hmm. So only just kind of managed to get a breathing space before coming into this. So. (laughs) Bit on the excitable side, I think, is what I would say.
0: Excellent. Okay. So, today then, uh, we're talking about, of course, uh, the links between a woman's life and how those pivotal decisions could impact on her career choices. Uh, And we know that for many women, deciding to become a mum is a massive decision. and one that can change their entire outlook on life and career as well. Many decide to stay at home, and be a stay-at-home mum is that uh, phrase, that well-known phrase is, but many choose to return to the workplace, often working part-time and below their ability level as a result of wanting to balance being a mum and having a career. We've got a guest on today. We'll bring Lorraine in very shortly, but this is quite a common area, isn't it really, Jeanette? Tell us more.
1: Yeah, it's something that I'm really passionate about. So in my former career within HR, I did an awful lot of work with gender diversity and the place of women in the workplace. And, you know, my early career, I was in investment banking on the trading floor. And that was incredibly difficult as a woman because there wasn't many of us there. And those that actually decided they wanted to become mums really had to put their career on hold. And as an organisation, we lost so much knowledge and experience and it was really difficult for them coming back. So getting that balance has been really, really important for women. And I know there's a lot Mm. that has changed in the last 20 odd years, which is fantastic, but it's still quite a difficult choice for a woman. Does she stay at home and be full-time mum or does she come back into the workplace And handle that mum guilt that they really seem to struggle with because it's difficult to be, you know, mum and working woman at the same time. And that's why so many times they take careers that really are below with what their ability level is, or they feel that they have to do that because they've been out and they haven't got the confidence and they don't see Mm. their transferable skills. It's a real minefield for women. And whilst things have got a lot better, I still think they are struggling to make those decisions because of everything that's going on for them.
0: There's a couple of things here, isn't there? There is the confidence issue, which is massive. You lose confidence the more you're away from work. But is it a guilt thing as well? You know, the woman's going back to work and she feels perhaps at the back of her mind she should be really at home looking after the kids. I mean, is it partly a guilt thing that goes on here?
1: I really think there is. I mean... I am not perhaps the best person to talk about that because not being a mum, and that's why um, it's really good that our guest today is a mum and can maybe share some of that. But I network with lots of mums. Lots of my friends are, and I see this, they lose confidence because they think, oh, actually, you know, I'm at home, I'm changing nappies, I'm talking about babies all the time. How can any of those skills be transferable? but they forget so much of what they do around organising the house and the life and really making things run smoothly. And then when they're in the workplace, they know they want to be there, either because they need the financial stability that being back in the workplace gives them, or it is intellectual stability. They're looking for getting that spark back again and feeling like they're contributing even more than the important role of being a mum. But equally at the same time, they want to be mum. So they really struggle with that. I hear a lot of friends saying that they feel guilty when they go to work. They feel guilty that you know they're having to leave their baby with childminders or with family. But actually, they want to be in the workplace as well and then feel guilty for feeling that. It's a real minefield. So you can't
0: really win, can you, either way, to be honest? No,
1: I think it's really difficult. Balancing that is so difficult.
0: Okay, well, Jeanette, let's bring in your guest today. Then this is uh, Lorraine. Lorraine, thanks for joining us on the Phoenix Wellness Podcast today. Good to have you along with us. Where do we find you? Are you uh, southeast based, or whereabouts in the country are you?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm actually Watersley, the same as Jeanette.
0: So that's in Kent. Your career, like many women's, take a number of twists and turns. Uh, so good to hear you describe uh, some of the roles that you've done. I mean, what was it like for you trying to get back into the workplace?
2: I started off straight from school with A levels didn't go to university and worked for a travel company doing their business travel so then that travel company was actually in an investment bank Salomon Brothers as it was and I worked within the bank but working for the travel company for a while got married and uh, and found myself leaving the travel company to actually work for the investment bank which was quite interesting worked there for a number of years in the settlements back office and then had a daughter in 2001. So then everything got thrown up in the air. What do you do? At that point in time, we were only entitled to six months maternity. Mm. So it wasn't very long, I had to get back into work. And uh, was a bit of a groundbreaker because I was part of the very first ever job
1: share at Citibank, Mm. as we had then become. I was just marvelling when you said, Lorraine, that you were kind of groundbreaking as the first job share. And then you talked about only six months maternity leave. And I do remember those days. And it seems really, it seems such a small amount of time when now women can have the whole year off, which is absolutely brilliant. And job shares, whilst not huge are much more prevalent than they used to be because employers really struggled with, how do I manage this with budgets and headcounts? So, I'd forgotten how groundbreaking you were at the time. So, that is great.
2: Yeah. It was tricky at first because I came back from maternity leave and there was nobody that wanted to job share. So, I, I started back in the bank and I was moved into a different department and I was kind of using up all my holiday so that I wasn't at work every day. My daughter was in a nursery local mm-hmm. to home, so my husband, who worked locally, could drop her off and pick her up. But obviously on days when he couldn't do it, that that was a real trauma, sitting on the bus on the way home from London thinking, go faster, the nursery's going to close and I'm not going to get there in time. And then my mum picked up a lot of the childcare before my job share kind of Actually started. Um, I had to wait for somebody to come back that wanted to be a job share too.
0: Lorraine, when you went back into work after that six month maternity leave, how did you feel? Did you feel any guilt at all? The fact that you perhaps I should be at home with my daughter. I mean, how did you feel?
2: Yeah, of course you do. Um, you spend time with them, and albeit six months, it was six months, twenty four hours a day, and then you have to go. And for me, as well as feeling guilty about leaving my daughter at the nursery, I then was like, my husband, because I work in London, my husband is having to drop her off and pick her up. That should be my job, because I'm mum. That, you know, that Mm. ingrained mum looks after the children thing was still there. And yeah, I did feel guilty.
0: And did that guilt take your focus away from work, do you think, as you were sat at your desk?
2: No, I tried to do the whole, right, I'm here, I've got to get this done. And the quicker I can get this done, the quicker I can go home. (laughs) That was my uh, my way of
1: coping, I think. Mm, I think that's really true because there is that one way that I've heard ladies say that they handle that mum say is actually you've got to be all in in one or other of your roles. So when you're in the workplace, whilst you've always got that concern about your child behind at the back of your mum, you've got to be all in with what you're doing. And then when you're at home, you can be all in being mum, trying to be both at the same time makes that balancing even more difficult and you feel the guilt even more
0: because you're not performing well in either of those roles that you're doing so let's move it on then uh, lorraine because you were in investment banking which you know is a good job isn't it At the end yep, of the day you're probably yeah. pretty well paid i would have thought um but you thought at the end of the day this isn't really what i want to do i want to do a, I want to change career yeah uh, tell well- us what you moved into
2: Well what happened was I had Caitlin and there were complications when she was born and I had a surgery that went a little bit wrong and I had a number of surgeries to try and correct that because I didn't feel that one child was my family I wanted to continue and unfortunately that didn't happen for me. So when Caitlin started school locally in reception because of her age she only did half days from September till Christmas so I gave up Uh, Well, I had to take a sabbatical from work in order to pick her up at lunchtime every day. So I did that, and during that sabbatical, I got bored because I'm I need to be I'm on the go. I need things to be doing all the time. So I volunteered in the local nursery that she went to, the play school, and after she'd settled in at school, I volunteered as a parent helper in the reception classes. So I was kind of seeing her, and I was doing work with other children, and it was her class teacher that said to me, "You're really good at this. Have you never thought about working in a school before?" And I was like well when I was 18 it was what I wanted to do but I got told I wouldn't be I wasn't clever enough to go to university so I didn't and I got a job doing travel which was something that interested me as well I did that for a while and then after her encouragement I actually said to work I'm not coming back really sorry but it's not for me anymore and I got a qualification as a teaching assistant And then I worked at a special needs school and it was just because my sister had previously worked at that school as a teacher um, that I knew the school and I knew kind of what it stood for and its ethos. Got the job, worked there and the head teacher, a fantastic man, agreed to let me do a degree on day release so I could actually qualify Mm. as a teacher myself.
0: Okay, so you retrained and you went to university, is that right?
2: Yeah, I did. Now, I've got a funny story, Jeanette. In 2005, I kept saying to Jeanette, I've got to do something else. I don't know what to do. I don't think I can do university. And Jeanette was like, go on, give it a go. Do an open university thing and see how you get on. So I did. I did an open university called Children and Young People, Mm. just one module, just to see whether I could do it or not. And I did. And I kind of got on really well. So that was the thing that kind of went, well, I did that. I can do it. So, yeah, I signed up and and actually the degree was amazing. It was one day a week on day release because all the people on the degree were teaching assistants. So it was a really lovely Mm. group of friends who I'm still friendly with a lot of them now. And we did a a BA in childhood studies and I finished that in 2010.
1: Wow. Congratulations. It's just lovely hearing you talk about this. It's great.
2: (laughs) After I did that, I did a PGCE at Christchurch. Both of those degrees were at Christchurch. So for one year, I was a full-time student. And um, at that point in time, Caitlin was about nine or 10. And so, she went to a childminder because I had to be in Canterbury eight o'clock in the morning and sometimes lectures didn't finish till six or seven o'clock in the evening. So, she went to a childminder before and after school while I did my PGCE. Her teacher at the time was absolutely lovely and kept sending me things home to help me with my university course, (laughs) which was fab. Um, And then in 2011, September, I started teaching and 10 years on still there still teaching but in i've taught in a variety of schools across medway yeah and and i'm i'm about to embark on a whole new job which is a little bit scary because it starts next week
0: okay (laughs) and what is that
2: Well, I've been the (laughs) early years lead, so I look after reception and nursery in one school in Stroud, and I've done that for three years. But as of next week, I'm the early years lead teacher across our hub in Stroud. so I take on another two schools under Mm. my wing, which will be Mm. really interesting Mm. and really scary at the same time.
0: (laughs) Jeanette, let's focus in on that because you can help with your business, Phoenix Wellness. You can help people, can't you, on that sort of change of direction in life?
1: Yeah, that's right, Glenn. Life coaching can really help you to change, you know, your outlooks on where you're, where you're headed with your life. And some of those things that Lorraine was talking about really reminded me, because obviously when she was younger and they said to her, her teacher said, you know, you're not bright enough to go to university, basically, that could actually have led her down a completely different career path. But because you're able to have those conversations with someone outside of your immediate family, Mm. you can think about different options. And Lorraine was able to change her mindset on that and was able to then challenge herself to do better and to do something different. So life coaching can really help you to challenge those self-limiting beliefs that we all have and say they don't have to be there and find a different and a better way to move forward.
0: And Lorraine, did you ever get that little voice in the back of your mind saying, no, you can't do this, this is totally alien, you know, you're training to be a teacher, you're going to university... You can't do that. Was that little voice there in your head? If so, how did you get rid of that little voice?
2: It definitely was to start with. I was 39 when I started my degree, which is obviously an awful lot older than most people. And when I started, it was definitely there. Every lecture, every Wednesday when I went to uni, in my head, I'm thinking, can I do this? What can I do? I think because we were such a supportive group, because... A lot of us were around the same age. We'd all decided to move from being a teaching assistant to a teacher. The support that we gave each other and that network, and I, I used that network all the way through my degree, and even in my master's, which I've just recently finished, some of those girls were looking at my essays and reading my essays and giving me feedback to help me even then. So it was a really supportive group, and I think once we all got our first assignment back mm. and we all passed, you kind of go okay, no, no, I'm all right now. I can do this. We can do this as a group. We can help each other to do that.
0: And what about support? I mean, your family supports, your your other half, uh, your partner, your husband. I mean, were they supportive of what you were going to do? Nobody said to you, no, stick with what you're doing. Stick with what you know. Go back to London, be an investment banker. That's what you know. Did you get that great support from the family?
2: Yeah, definitely. My family have been great. My husband's hilarious and Jeanette knows him well because when (laughs) I said I want to be a teacher, he said, oh, great, you'll be working from nine to three and have all those holidays off. (laughs) He regrets that now because he now realises the life of a teacher is in at 7.30. It's it's
0: tough. Leave school
2: at half five and work most
0: weekends. (laughs) It's not the easy gig most people think it is, is it, being a teacher?
1: No, but interestingly, though, I know you do kind of 70-hour weeks, which I never did that in investment banking. And probably you didn't either. But it makes it easier when it's your passion you're following.
2: Yeah, as you say, once I knew that that was what I wanted to do, I've always had that driving to me to be the best that I can be or whatever it is I'm doing. So for me, the hours to start with were definitely worth it. 11 years on, I've dropped my hours because I wanted to. Um, because luckily I had a, a head teacher that wanted me to work for her again and offered me, you know, not a full time job. Um, and I'm lucky to have kind of held on to that. I do four days a week now, and even being in charge of three schools, I'm still working four days a week. I'm in charge of, I think it's 20 staff and 250 ish children so for me stepping out of the classroom is going to be really difficult Mm. because I love being in the class and having my own children but the thought of being able to have an impact on that many children is kind of what made me say yes
1: to
0: Mm. the job and how being friends with Jeanette Lorraine how has that helped you along your journey I know that Jeanette wasn't a life coach at the time you took that change of gear that change of direction but in terms of her experience in HR how did she help you
2: well, we've been friends for a very long time. I still can recall the night that Jeanette and her husband were around for dinner and my darling baby daughter <laughs> threw up all over her. And I, and I mean I truly just, all over her. We both oh, ended up having yeah. to strip and get new clothes. I knew, you and said, I knew you'd tell that story. <laughs> we couldn't have gone away with the conversation without that one coming up. <laughs> And she's 20 now, so it was a long time ago. But Jeanette's been someone who, when I needed someone to talk to, she's great. We went through a phase where we just went out walking and talking, didn't Mm. we? Out in the woods, just talking and and kind of it just helps to have someone there that you know you can say, really stupid question, can I ask you? And she doesn't laugh at you. Mm. She just
1: Mm. ploughs you forward and encourages. That's so important. And that's, again... As a life coach, that's what I do, yeah. is just ask those questions. And you've questions, been doing that for a lot
2: longer them. than you've been a life coach. Yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> officially, yeah. And Lorraine, any advice you'd give younger people just starting out? I mean, what sort of advice would you give your younger self, if you like? You could sit, sort of sit back and say, well, Lorraine, younger Lorraine, this is what I should have done. I mean, what would you say?
2: Yeah, I would say don't let other people's opinion of yourself become your opinion of yourself. That teacher that told me that I couldn't do university because I wouldn't be able to do it. I actually met her in the car park in Canterbury outside the Marlowe mm. Theatre and I told her I was doing my masters and it was the best feeling in the world because it's like you put mm. me down, you told me I shouldn't do that and this is what I've done. So for me, mm. you know, you you just have to believe in yourself. And find someone to help you. That group of children or that group of adults, sorry, that I did my degree Mm. with, you know, I couldn't have done it without them. And I expect all of them would say exactly the same thing. And and my Mm. master's, I've just finished my master's in early childhood education, and we were only a small group of five people that were doing it part time because we all had jobs in Teaching or Mm. child minding, without that supportive group of people, I would never have been able to do it.
1: I'm waiting for those moments when Lorraine says she's got a doctorate. That will be the next. No,
2: no, no, no. No, I I handed that. I said no. (laughs) I'm leaving that one to Caitlin. She's going to become a doctor, not me.
0: (laughs) When you were training to be, you know, the teacher and going to university, doing that whole training process. At any point, did you sit back and think, what have I done? Am I doing the right thing? Was there any sort of doubt at all?
2: No, it actually was, why didn't I do this sooner? Why did I believe what somebody said about me? Why didn't I have the courage and conviction Mm -hmm. to just do it earlier?
0: And that's your message, isn't it, to most people or to everybody? You have
2: to. You have to believe in yourself. And if you can't believe in yourself wholeheartedly, you have to find someone else that will believe in you. My husband's been a Mm. great supporter for the last few years um, while I did my master's. And you have to have someone that's your cheerleader, whoever that may be, a member of your family, a friend, a life coach, whoever. You need that cheerleader just for when you go through those tough times.
1: Having that support network is so important, whether that is family or friends or a life coach. And actually, all we do is help you to look inside yourself and bring that confidence out because we've all got it within us. And it's just having someone to help you to do that.
0: Okay. And what would you say to anybody, Lorraine, who's looking to perhaps go to a life coach like uh, Jeanette? What would your uh, advice be?
2: I wish that I'd met someone in that role when I was 18 because actually if somebody then had believed in me and supported me and shown me that there was a different way of doing things, yeah, I'd have been a teacher mm. a whole lot longer than I have now. And um, So yeah, definitely you need a supporter. You need someone that can question you and push you forward and encourage you.
0: Here's a question for you, Lorraine. Which was more pressurised, being a teacher or being an investment banker in London?
2: Different pressures. Investment bank, lots of um, shouty traders. In a classroom, lots of shouty children.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So two totally different jobs, but uh, different pressures as well, you're saying.
2: I I think probably the pressure is more on teaching because at the end of the day, when I was working for the investment bank... If you delayed a trade and they had to pay a little overcharge or something, it was whatever.
1: Mm. If you muck up teaching, you're mucking up a child's life and, uh, and that's not okay. Mm. I completely agree with you there. I think it's <laughs> amusing. I was thinking there really is no difference to being in a schoolroom full of children and a, a, <laughs> you know, a trading floor full of investment bankers. They're still children, but just a lot bigger. Yeah, there's no other, other difference
0: there so Lorraine thanks very much for sharing your story right here on the phoenix wellness podcast great talking to you and uh, to hearing you know how you've sort of changed career direction and uh, your life is better as a result of it thanks very much for joining us today
2: thank you very much for asking me it's been um it's been lovely it's been nerve-wracking and i have a bit of paper in front of me with everything written down just in case i couldn't remember anything but i've really enjoyed it and i hope- i do hope that it inspires people to look to themselves and be brave. And if you can't be brave on your own, find someone that can help you to be brave.
0: Sure. Great. Lorraine, take care. Nice to talk to you. So, Jeanette, a great story from Lorraine. Inspirational, I would say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've loved doing these podcasts because I get to talk to some really fantastic women who've got big stories to tell and it's just inspiring for other people. This is what I wanted to do is bring real women with real stories to the microphone so that people can learn from them. Our lives, like everybody, take lots of twists and turns. Some we can control, some we can't. But Lorraine's story shows you how you can actually, you know, mastermind your career without really realising that's what you're doing. And the fact that, you know, partway through having her daughter, Caitlin, then spurred her on to want to become a teacher, which was something she'd wanted to do for many, many years. Mm. So, I love bringing these ladies to the airwaves.
0: Okay, so we'll be talking to more inspirational women in future podcasts, won't we, Jeanette? Uh, Just tell us briefly what we'll be touching on in those future episodes.
1: Lots of different areas. We'll be looking at that big change that comes over women, the menopause, that big bad wolf that often comes and chases you through the woods. We'll be bringing in some ladies to talk about their experiences through peri and menopause and actually what that's meant to their lives and where they're moving to. We're also going to look again and talk to somebody who through bereavement actually found her spirituality and that completely changed the way that she runs her life and her business. And that's a really hugely inspiring story. So more finding out different things that can happen, those pivotal moments either within ourselves or externally that change the course of our lives and how we cope with them and i'm also hoping to bring in some some experts in the field so hear what some of the experts say around how you can change your lifestyle and and what you want out of life as well so a good mix coming up
0: so lots more still to come then whatever you do if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast platform hit that subscribe button and uh, you know listen out for those future be notified of those future episodes of the phoenix wellness podcast series with Jeanette forder and uh, myself uh, glenn thompson it's been great talking to you Jeanette. let's uh, look forward to the next session uh, which is just around the corner. But uh, whatever you do, stay safe and look after yourself. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Jeanette Forder of Phoenix Wellness Coaching. Please listen for other episodes in this series designed to help you as a woman through the critical moments in your life. And for more information, please go to phoenixwellness.co.uk.